Hey there, and welcome to another fortnightly episode of War Starts at Midnight. I'm Chris Gallagher. And I'm Jacob Graves. On today's show, Drew Allen drops by the War Bunker to help us decide whether James Gunn's big-budget space opera, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, is good, bad, or a bit of both. And if Drew's here, that can only mean one thing. We forced him to watch yet another monstrously absurd film so you don't have to. Drew returns to his throne as home video hero with a review of a film Chris still refuses to acknowledge exists. Plus, Jake will recap week 11 of the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League, and we'll wrap up the show as we always do with some really rad recommendations. But first... Joining us once again, he's a contributor to the nerd culture site Geek Melee, the biggest Bubsy fan I know, and the only grown man who's still collecting Nintendo Amiibo. Drew Allen, welcome back to the War Bunker. Thanks for having me, Chris. I have a million Amiibo. Do you have a Bubsy Amiibo? No, they don't have those, which makes me sad. That is a damn shame. Why don't you make your own? I, you know, I thought about I it once. That's how Amiibo works, Chris. You can, actually. There's a there's like tutorials and everything to make your own. Really? Yeah. Huh. I'm too lazy for that, but if someone gave me the tools to make a Bubsy Amiibo, I would do it. Well, we did not bring you here to talk about Amiibo. We brought brought you here to talk about movies. And uh, since the last episode, uh, there's been a trailer that came out that has been taking the internet by storm. People are freaking out. Uh, Drew, what do you think of this new Blade Runner trailer? I actually haven't watched it yet. Oh, hey, Jake, what do you think of this new Blade Runner trailer? I thought we were doing Dunkirk. So I haven't seen it either. Oh, you guys want to watch the Blade Runner trailer? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh Okay. You're a cop. I did your job once. I was good at it. I know. What do you want? I want to ask you some questions. key to the future is finally unearthed. Bring it to me. Okay, so now we, along with about 12 million other people, <laughs> have seen seen this trailer. Drew, first thoughts, what do you think? Um, I mean, Harrison Ford wasn't as bad as I assumed he would be. I mean, he only said like two <laughs> lines, but he's garbage now. I don't think he's good anymore. I thought it was fine yeah. in in uh, the in the, uh, the the new Star Wars. Um, yeah. I didn't need more of them, but no. And that's that's sort of that's we'll we'll get to that in a second. Jake, what do you think? Everyone's a replicant. Everyone I, in whole, that trailer was a replicant. The whole world is re- is <laughs> everyone. <replicants>. Everyone <laughs> I mean, was a replicant. I mean, but Jared Leto in real life is a replicant, right? Yes. I mean, that's that's the best explanation I I, I have. I gosh. I am going to see this movie. Oh, yeah. I am still not convinced that this movie needs to exist. No. We, we talked with Chitwood about this a little bit last time. Um, I just, I don't, I don't like Decker being in this at all because it either, it, it takes the mystery out of the whole is he or isn't he yeah. a replicant thing. Because I'm sure they'll tell you. And it, and it, and exactly. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you or they will like... Definit- like I just I don't know how you do that well. So yeah, I wish Ford wasn't in this really. It looks 
gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, obviously Roger Deakins and, um, as Chitwood was saying on last time, like apparently a lot of these are like real sets that they built out. Oh. Um, and you know, it looks, it looks beautiful. Um, probably the most beautiful thing that, that Deakins has shot since Skyfall. Hmm. Um, I just don't know if I trust that I need to see it still. No. So, so, so we all know that Jared Leto is going to go full Rutger Hauer in this movie, right? I mean, yeah. The opening with him saying happy birthday or whatever was, uh, okay. I mean, you think he is? I like, surely, surely this isn't just going to be a rehash. Are you sure? I mean, I don't know. Why? Why? Because it's because it's easy. People go like, I remember those things. Yeah, but but it's Denis Villeneuve. Like, I mean, he's great. Yeah, it is. That's the only that's the only thing keeping me in. If he wasn't yeah. attached to this, I would be like, nah, I'm not even seeing it. No, thank I mean, the, you. the most predictable thing he's ever done is Prisoners. And that's only like really the final act of Prisoners that gets super like, oh. Well, I got genre but man, I love that movie so no, much. No, that movie's yes. bad. No! Yeah. Go away. That movie's not good. Jake, do you like Prisoners? Uh, haven't seen it. Oh, all right. Yeah, well, you should you should watch it and then decide if uh, you want to continue co-hosting the show. God damn you both. <laughs> the movie's so good. It's the only bad thing he's made. Oh, whoa! I'm so mad at you right now. The movie's so good. Well, that's fine. <laughs> guys, guys. Okay. I'll watch it one day and I'll make the final call on if that's a good movie or not. How about that? All right. All right. Fair. It's not fair a good enough. Movie. All right. And another movie we need to make that call on is James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. What do you say we talk about it? You know why I did it, Star Munch? Hmm? I'm not going to answer Star Munch. I did it because I wanted to. What are we even talking about this for? We just had a little man save us by blowing up 50 ships. How little? Well, like this. A little one-inch man saved us. Well, if he got closer, I'm sure he'd be much larger. That's how eyesight works, you stupid raccoon. Don't call me a raccoon! I'm sorry. I took it too far. I meant trash panda. Is that better? I don't know. It's worse. It's so much worse. So, guys, generally I have sort of a formal introduction up front about, you know, what the movie's about and uh, asking, asking some sort of broad question about uh, the, the film itself or the director or the, the oeuvre, whatever. Um, I attempted to do that but then got sidetracked by a uh, very fussy child. And so I don't have one of those for you for this episode. So I'm just going to keep it simple and, and basic and, and say – you know, this is the I don't even know umpteenth Marvel Cinematic Universe movie um, directed by James Gunn. Um, and and it's it it's doing something that I think is sort of uh, worth applauding in that it's not it seems like it's not too concerned with uh, the broader Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, that's my favorite part about this movie and the previous one is they don't concern themselves with the cinematic universe almost at all. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why they work for me. It, it doesn't, but the previous one is probably the most important Marvel cinematic universe movie out there right now because of infinity, infinity stone, introducing Thanos, et cetera, et cetera, which is where the whole thing's going, but that's not what the movie's. Yeah. About. That's not what the movie's about. Yeah. And there's one scene with Benicio del Toro with the collector. And it's the worst part of the movie because it's stupid and it doesn't add anything. It's, it's bad, but I, I would say anything with, uh, 
gosh, now I can't remember the, the dude that Howard the duck. Um, (laughs) no, Howard the duck's fine. Um, uh, the, the dude that, that, Thanos loaned Nebula and Ronan the accuser. Like everything with him is awful. He's worse. Um, He's like, and and that's like the, the first one was uh, a great movie. It actually kind of reminds me of the force awakens in that. Like I like everything except for like the plotty plot plot points. Right. (laughs) Um, And so I was, I was excited with this one in that, like, we don't have Thanos really other than like in passing conversation. They're really like diving into the characters that they developed, that James Gunn developed in the first one, uh, which was his strongest, his strongest part. Um, But I do feel like it, it didn't like, it has this weird for me, this weird, um, it's a little too comfortable being a sequel hiccup, sort of like Star Trek into darkness. Like it felt like, even though it's bigger, it felt smaller in a way or, or it felt like a very expensive episode of Futurama to an extent. <laughs> Maybe I could see that. Yeah. I mean like they were comfortable, but I'm, I was the amount of character development that they gave for almost the whole cast yeah. was really nice. Yeah. And I felt connected to all of them. Uh, they all had, like a little arc, which was nice because it was mostly just focused on the characters and, you know, Peter Quill and his dad, which was the whole plot. And there was nothing bigger than that, which was really nice to see, especially from a Marvel movie. And it wasn't all spectacle. It it They couched it in a really good story about what it means to be a father. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and to be and friendship and siblings and like there's there's actually a whole bunch of kind of pairing up here. There's, yeah. you know, there's there is Quill and Ego, mm-hmm. um, his father, I guess spoilers for the first like 10 minutes of this movie. Um, but then there's also Quill and Rocket sort of there competing. Right. Um, Rocket and Yondu. Yep. Rocket, Rocket and Yondu, Yondu and Sylvester Stallone's character, Nebula and Gamora as siblings, which I think is probably the weakest of sure. like, Ooh. but at the same time, I didn't care about Nebula at all in the first one. No. And so to care about her a bit. <laughs> Wasn't like, improved. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Ne- Nebula, Nebula was a hundred times better in this movie and I still thought it was the boring worst part. <laughs> and That's, literally a hundred times better. But but I, I really appreciate the fact that he takes the time to sort of flesh those moments out mm-hmm. uh, because generally you don't get a whole lot of that in, in these Marvel movies or when they do do it, it's just a way to like they're like, oh, how can we make exposition a little less expositiony? <laughs> yeah, and this you know feels like that to an extent with with certain parts, but mm-hmm. it, it seems like Gunn is more interested in the characters and exploring their flaws yeah. and their and those sorts of things. And I, I I really appreciate that. Can we roll spoilers? Sure. Okay, so I, I think the main thing that this movie did compared to the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think it nailed the villain. Villains are normally terrible in Marvel movies. They are just wanting to end the world, end of story. And this one at least had a complex, interesting, more interesting villain than any of the other ones. 
I agree, but he's sort of an anti-hero. Like that's and and you don't get that very often in particularly Marvel. No, yeah, uh, comic book stories or or movies for sure. Um, that that's sort of like you. I don't know. Like I don't even. I I struggle to call ego a villain. Yeah, because he doesn't. I mean, he's not really a bad guy. Like just, from from his vantage point, from his enlightened, so my quote purpose unquote, thing, enlightened yeah. viewpoint, like what he is doing makes sense to an extent. Yeah, um, he's not he's not Thanos who just seems to be like I oh, hate I, everyone. I must destroy. Yeah, that is all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I agree with you. I do think that's sort of where things get a little goofy, and not necessarily always in a terrible sort of way. Like I, I actually do appreciate the moments where it's, it seems like Gunn is very aware of sort of staging something that is tongue in cheek right. or is mm-hmm. like funny, goofy, like sort of dumb, almost like Star Trek, the original series. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, he, he's, he's aware of the, the awkwardness and leans into it. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's nice and endearing, especially like, uh, to, to have the balls to do it with, with something like this. Like that's, I think for me, the thing that I'm most impressed by is the fact that if you would have told me like five years ago, okay. Um, you know, all these, all these Marvel movies are are happening and James Gunn is going to be the guy who's like <laughs> voice shines and, and you feel him as the biggest auteur in the MCU. I would not have believed you no, at all. No. Another thing I want to say that he did great, Excellent decisions in just taking people and painting them colors and putting prosthetics on them and letting human faces act. Wow, that's yeah, that's a plus. <laughs> I'm sick of seeing CG characters when they don't have to be there, and just mm-hmm. watching Yondu is a blue guy with a mohawk. Yeah, and yeah. and everybody was a person. There was, I think, two CG characters. There's Rocket, well, Rocket and Groot, yeah. and that one dude who was like made out of ice and was, the confetti octopus. And the confetti. Oh, right. Bro. Well, I mean, if they had made that all practical, I would have been pretty impressed. I think it's pretty large. <laughs> Speaking but, of confetti octopus, what do you think of Baby Groot? I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, Big Groot is better because he can do more stuff. But Baby Groot is still – it was nice to see that they gave him something different to do instead of just he's the big powerhouse again that mm-hmm. just breaks shit. And now it's like now he's a baby. So Baby baby Groot is adorable. Yes. Um, maybe, maybe part of this is because I, I have – a, a recent child in my, like <laughs> I just he he kind of melted my heart and he was he was wonderful and he was he was great for like I, I actually like that they're using him for a different purpose mm-hmm. like you're saying here like he's sort of a lot of times he's the comedic break in in things um I also I mean for for my money him and Drax sort of stole the show for me Drax is pretty great yeah Drax is so great he's Drax just is great. my favorite yeah. part well and 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 he's not just doing exactly the same thing as he did in the first one he's developed a little bit yeah where he's beginning to understand but not quite and so like now he's like that is a practical joke you know like <laughs> he starts he he over explains the things because he's beginning to sort of see how a metaphor works that right. sort of thing so there's there's a little bit of evolution to him also his laughter is the most pure thing in those movies yes <laughs> Yeah. And well, and, and I think also, you know, talking about not doing CG and all of this. So I think, you know, Yondu and Gamora and all of these characters, like a lot of the characters are very like four color, uh, 
old school, like silver age looking, mm-hmm. um, uh, characters, which I, I love, but then you have someone like Drax who feels a little more textured and a little more like proving that, uh, they could, if they wanted to make it more gritty and realistic, they, they could pull that off too, yeah. because Drax is more, you know, feels like where, whereas like Yondu with his blue skin, it's like, wow, that's like laser blue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Drax is very like feels like a real person, a real yeah. individual. Um, and and I I love that that he just like I don't know guns guns vision of this is is pretty pretty fantastic. When he wrote and directed this, right? Correct. And I think he had a co writer on the first one. Yeah. But it's like his voice is all over it, and it's it's oh, yeah. real nice that yeah. it's just one guy, not twelve well, people. That, that's the other thing. Like it gets. I mean, it's other than something like Deadpool, which isn't Marvel Studios. Like right. it's probably the dirtiest. Um, a movie that a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that that we have. Well, and there's um, the scene in the prison, which was my favorite part with Yondu and Rocket escaping. Yeah, they mm-hmm. kill so many people. Yeah, and it's yeah. great that a Marvel movie is willing to push that a little bit. Yeah, but even even just like the talk between uh between them, you know, there's a little bit of this male camaraderie yeah. business going on, or mm-hmm. or uh trying to you know one up each other, and mm-hmm. and you you get that in a way that. Uh, I I think feels very uh, very real. Yeah, I, I liked I liked when Drax was talking to Ego and he was like, "Do you have a penis?" And they had a whole conversation about it. And the little ten year old in the seat next to me that happened to be sitting next to me was just laughing the entire time. That was That's his great. favorite part. Yeah. Oh no, this is going to be one of those movies that like kids who see it when they're you know elementary school age they're going to see it again later and there's going to be a whole slew of jokes and other things that they're going to they're going to get later on yeah yeah even the last movie where uh gamora tells star lord um your ship is dirty and she walks out the room and he's like uh, this thing is filthy. If you take a black yeah, light yeah, to this, yeah. it's going to look like a Jackson Pollock painting. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's going to be one of them. They're like, oh God, what did he say? Even beyond, so even beyond like the main characters, the guardians, I guess, you know, I, I also, I really appreciate, you know, the, uh, the craft work people, what are their, uh, uh, sovereign, the people from the sovereign yes. planet. Like yeah. They, 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 they I, I, I don't know. I was constantly calling them craft work people in my notes because they, they look like they should have been part <laughs> yes. of like a, a craft work music video. Um, like their whole, uh, just world was very well realized, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. very like, and, and, and played in, um, played in what he'd already established very well. Like it, it, it felt like expansion without feeling like alienating as far as like, what, why are we here? What are we doing? Right. And, and also I think like the, uh, I guess not the straight cold open, but the second, you know, the, the big battle that we get with the, the credits, like just a beautiful way to open this up. And you, you sort of, it shows us what baby Groot, um, is is doing right these days um and then it also like shows us the camaraderie that we left the first guardians like sort of feeling like it was beginning to come together mm-hmm. we see that they are actually a team now yeah um fighting fighting that confetti octopus there's so much uh information that he very quickly um sort of throws on us to say okay this is this is the place where we are for this story let's move forward yeah yeah, the the whole thing feels very much like Star Trek to me, and that they go to these really fully realized worlds that all hinge on like, what if one thing was different about them, mm-hmm. which was kind of a Star Trek thing that they did. And then right. when they finally get to Ego's planet, it is very, very much a Star Trek episode. 
Yeah. I, 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 you said Futurama. That's really good, too. This thing has all the best parts of like a modern, complete retelling of Star Trek. Yeah. To me. Well, I think I think Ego seems like such a Futurama character. Like, yeah, it does. Yeah. Like now that you say that the like because because he's philosophical and because he like it seems like I mean, and it's not exactly the same thing. But, you know, when Bender runs into God, like floating through. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Floating through the cosmos like it, it felt like that sort of development where like he, you know, just as easily could have run into ego mm-hmm. and and they would have had. Um, you know, a, something similar to what's, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't know the Guardians comic books at all. I assume this comes out of that. Apparently, Ego is not his dad in the original. Oh, really? No, okay. I think they took that character and applied it here, but I think, but he is Ego the living planet. Yes, he is yeah. a thing. Like, it, I, the character is the same, but I don't think he's Peter Quill's dad in the okay. original comics. And but. from what I was reading, uh, Ego the living planet, uh, is like a planet with a face on it, which we saw in the credits. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Yeah, he, yeah. It, yeah, I think, which I'm sure was a nod to that, but it was. And people online were really excited. And I saw a lot of people talking about how this is the, f- there are a lot of movies based on comic books, but this is the first major comic book movie in that everything felt like a comic book. Uh, one of the things I saw referenced was Gamora picking up the giant, giant gun off the uh-huh. ship. And carrying it around. And even watching that, I was like, this is a comic book thing. (laughs) This is fun. This is meant to be fun. It's meant to be extreme. She's super strong. It's showing. It was a lot of moments, especially the buttons they put on a lot of their scenes, were very much comic book. Like end of episode, end of page, switch to something else. Right. Yeah, yeah. Buttons. And they had, but but the amount of um, closeness I felt to the characters, particularly in the last like 30 minutes of the film, Mm -hmm. was just... For a Marvel movie in particular, oh yeah, leaps and bounds from oh, yeah. where they have been before. It's it was fantastic to feel that. Can can we talk about um, uh, Michael Rooker's performance as Yondu for a while? Because uh, wow, because it was the best part of the movie. I mean, I was I loved Michael Rooker in the first one. Yeah, I me think, too. I think me he too. takes it just to depths even even more expensive than I could have expected yeah. in this one. Mm-hmm. The, the whole time he's on screen, the movie is sort of a Western in the last movie, <laughs> like a, almost like a wagon train sort of thing mm-hmm. or a, a group of bandits. I'm, I'm not really sure, but he kept that here, but he brought so much heart to it. This well, and, and the, the arc that they built with him mm-hmm. was like, and that's, that's the thing that I think Gunn has done really well through both of these films is he, he plants little things that, uh, have big implications for these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the way the whole sort of like yin and yang between Yondu and Ego works as far as like both being father figures for Quill, but Quill not realizing that Yondu is actually the the one pr- who's been right. protecting him. And there's there's a little bit of a obviously a uh, confusion there because Yondu would always say that he was going to eat him and right. he thought it was, you know, fun, et cetera, and, and was saving him from, from right. ego. You want to um, talk about good writing? Um, the fact that they ask why, what, you know, why Yondu kept him around. He said, because I was small and I could help with thieving. Mm-hmm. And then when Yondu gave the same exact answer word for word to Rocket. Yeah. That, that was, that was, really good well and and just the the way that it's set up i mean because 
in in another movie, I think it would have been they would have fumbled a little bit with the you know when he runs into Stallone's character and he says, oh, he was you know he's he's taking children and he was he was smuggling kids and it, he's terrible. We that's why that's why he's been outcast. Like that's something that's it's a little delicate to try to build it in a way that doesn't feel overcooked mm-hmm. or underdeveloped. And I think I think Gun nails it. Yeah, like, yeah, perfectly. Yeah, they did nail it. And and I liked the. First, it was like, oh, well, they took the one kid. He took Peter. And then the revelation later that he had taken bunches of them. And, mm. you know. Yeah. But they don't. Came, Stallone doesn't be like, you took all these kids and you and he just doesn't explain everything to you in that scene because that could have happened in a Marvel movie. And I would yeah. have been like, this mm-hmm. is bad. Well, but they also, I mean, as, even though they reveal, you know, the back end of that, they don't over, they don't yeah. over explain it once they finally do exactly. either. Like it's, it's enough information, but it's not too much. It's, it's just, just right. Yeah. You know, yeah. what's not just right about this movie? <laughs> oh no. You know what I really don't like about this movie? <laughs> Taser face. No, Taserface is great. Wonderful. <laughs> I love I love Taserface. I actually I saw that that character or that that actor Chris Sullivan um was in this uh before seeing it and I was super excited. And he, he could not be like he um for for those of you who are unfamiliar with him, the, the thing that I recognize him most from is probably the Nick, which I've talked about on the show before. Um he's great in that. Um I love I love what he's given. Um, the, the opportunity is given to sort of play this like fun, loose, goofy, like he's almost playing a pirate. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fantastic. That's not what I didn't like. I did not like the soundtrack of this movie, guys. What? Uh... It was, it was really, especially compared to, and this, this is part of the, like, feels like it's a little too comfortable resting on its laurels as a sequel. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the way that they implemented all of the. Uh, classic nostalgic tunes in the first one worked really well mm-hmm. here. It's not quite suicide squad, <laughs> but like in the first like 10 minutes, you've got at least three songs and they're like almost wall to wall. And they're all like the, the first one, most of it is Mr. Blue sky. <laughs> the first, most of it is um, diegetic. It is built into the scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's the, still the first two are because I think it opens with with uh, Brandy Brandy's playing on the when radio. they're in yeah. the car, right, right? And then it goes to Baby Group playing Mister Blue Sky, right? And then there's is, another song after that, and that's where I was like, "Where are we going with this?" The I, only part where I was like, "Is when they when Rocket asked Yondu was like, you still got any Aquil's music loaded on the ship?'" And I was like, this is just like openly talking about it. What, what about? <laughs> Give us an excuse to play the music. I mean, or, or what about, and this, this was diegetic, but when uh, the, the whole like dancing scene and, and Quill's like, ooh, Sam Cooke. You don't need to tell us that it's Sam Cooke. Like, it's just, just let it kind of like, they're, they're, it just, it felt a little more ham-fisted, a little more like, well, they're going to expect to right. have a lot of songs. Guess we'll play a, a, a whole bunch. A I little bit. That. But I thought, uh, Brandy, you're a fine girl. That was a great scene with sure. Kurt Russell. That that one was really good. Um, the other thing I'll say, the songs weren't as familiar um, to me, to mm-hmm. the stuff I listened to. But also, I think that that was a good choice because they're not as familiar to Quill either, because that's volume two that he only opened really recently in his life. Right. You weren't familiar with the song, My Daddy Was a Planet? Uh... <laughs> Who who sang that? David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember that seventies classic? <laughs> nah, I must have missed that one. My yeah. no, but did did you hear my daddy is a planet or was a planet? It, 
Is is that the one in the credits? It's it's in the credits. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah David, David Hasselhoff doing it. I think the I think it was written by James Gunn, performed by Hasselhoff. <laughs> That's great. That was, that was pretty great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But no, it, like it wasn't it wasn't awful. It wasn't Suicide Squad level for by by no means because Suicide Squad was just like we don't know how to put this together. Just slap another song in. Here we go. Um. But it I was getting a bit of whiplash with the amount. Like I feel like less would have been more in this movie. Like, I could see that. Allowing, well, but, uh, let's just wait until we see Baby Driver and then we'll. <laughs> really talk about how music should be used in a movie sure but um i mean on on the other hand like ty bates i mean his score it's fine it's every other marvel score i mean it's, it's like yeah it's forgettable it's it just sort of back there yeah. so it's not like it's not like we're missing a masterpiece by no. by having all these it's just i i don't think we i, I think we could have pulled out you know three or four or tone tone them down or or given space between them and it would have felt a little uh a little less like just being inundated with song after song yeah. after song. And as as on the nose as father and son was at the end, mm-hmm. mm, did that pull on the heartstrings. Yeah, yeah. That was good. Oh, yeah. Uh he first off, he was Mary Poppins. Oh my god, I laughed so hard. <laughs> Mary Poppins, y'all. That, that was a great that was a great part. Well, um, and, and the is way, he cool? <laughs> it, well, yeah, but the the way that Quill like he tells him yes, not to make fun of him, but to make him like feel yeah so he's not embarrassed yeah it's like yeah he's cool and like yeah, yeah awesome yeah yeah and he's like you're damn right he's cool or whatever <laughs> it is it, that was a that was a good moment yeah man uh that the one scene where the camera pans around all of them and you see the whole group of the guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. when yondu was still with them that was that was a good moment but then they have to lose him, you know, 10 minutes later, right after he's redeemed himself. I'm uh, that actually made me like super sad that Yondu died, but happy that Marvel would let him do that and yeah. hopefully not ruin that later by having him still be alive. Because well, I'll be real spoilers, mad. Spoilers, Drew. Oh my God, is he uh, alive? Uh, uh, we don't know. We don't know, but he's supposed to be in. The Infinity next Avengers War. movie. So, we'll but it see. could be flashbacks. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, that will make me sad because it's like, look. If it's a flashback, it won't. Because if it's a I flashback, mean, it's fine. If he's yeah. alive somehow, it's like, come on, just you yeah. gotta take some risks. What, what if it's his brother, Yon Deuce? Oh my god. I'm in uh, <laughs> what do you fine. think of the the Reaver Reaver funeral? Oh, it was great. I loved all that. Yeah, yeah. I, you didn't like it? I th- no, I no, it was, I loved it. That's okay. what I was saying. Is it? It? It, it was a. Uh, that and the big arrow in the sky and all that. that yeah. it, it hit me. It was and every, good. everyone doing the the chest pound was like, mm-hmm. oh, "This is great. I love all this." And but I think it's it's because Gunn put the time in up front mm-hmm. to invest the audience in the characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in because in a I could see that happening in a different Marvel movie where it's you know they just by tent poles sort of put together this connection between characters and then they have that. And it's just like, Oh yeah, cool. There's no impact whatever. here. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you, you have invested enough in, in that character from, from the beginning. I mean, I think part of it is the arc that he has because initially, like, like you were saying, Jake, he is just sort of this, uh, this guy who brings chaos to, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere, everywhere he goes in the first one. And he's, he seems very dangerous. And then as you sort of get to know him more, um, it, that's, that is why it worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. very, very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was a little concerned going into the third act that it was basically just going to be return of the Jedi again. 
Like, like we're going to the middle of this planet to blow it up. Right. And I was afraid there was going to be like, oh, we're all escaping just in time. Oh. Um, and, and instead it was Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah. Uh, you, when you have the, the group of people staring out of a space window and the cameras behind them at the end. Yeah. I was like, it's a little, it's a little bit Empire, but that's not a bad thing. Plus, I, I'm just a sucker for any time somebody dies and they play Cat Stevens music. That's just a thing I like. Yeah. I need more of that in my films. Please. Harold and Maude? Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. God, yeah. Spoilers yeah. for Harold and Maude. You know. But who? You'll never know. You'll have to see it. <laughs> Probably the old lady. <laughs> There's no, like a, who, you don't know that. <laughs> my money would be on the old lady. There's a half dozen funerals in that movie. Let's not, yeah, let's not go. That's true. That's true. Um <laughs> So, so another moment I really liked, uh, just to talk again about Nebula, who I didn't like in the last movie, is when uh, she's gonna get her credits, and Yondu's lackey is like, "What you gonna, what you gonna do with your money?" She gives a five minute speech on killing Thanos, and he's like, "I thought you might have wanted a pretty necklace." <laughs> yeah, or, which that that guy like is James nice Gunn's dress. brother, which is great. Yeah. Oh, is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. He's great. Yeah, he's wonderful, and yeah. it's it's great to see in one of the five post credit scenes that he's starting to do the whistle stuff with the arrow and yeah. figuring it out. It's like, I hope you have full control of that in the next movie. Oh, That's great. Man. That was, that was a great, like that, that was probably like, I don't think we needed five post credit no, things. Although at the same time, like they felt like you didn't have to stick around for them. You know, it felt more like in, in the character of the movie itself and the, the series itself, the guardian series itself, uh, but I, I do love when he just like scampers off. Yeah, just runs away because he <laughs> hits Drax with it. Yeah, personally, I liked Teenage Groot. Teenage Groot was really good. Teenage Groot was I'm, good. That was yeah. funny. Yeah. Did Did you notice that Goldblum was in the? Um, yeah, in the credits, I saw yeah. him on the side there. Yeah. yeah. What, yeah. what was what what What's that from? Uh, well, he's going to be in Ragnarok. Thor yeah. Ragnarok. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I saw him in the trailer before that and i was like i know i saw him but i can't remember where he was in this movie he wasn't he was in the trailer that i've yeah. seen that movie yeah. seems like it'll be fun i'm excited yeah. for it i'm like yeah, it really looks, it looks like what it. they're doing with guardians where it's like yeah have some fun kind of i mean in taika watiti like he's the perfect yeah. person to kind of bring some levity to what has been just sort of a mm, boring yeah. yeah like but how great is that like the space stuff is the stuff that i was probably the least excited about yep. with with the whole big expanse and if they can make that exciting, that gives hope for the rest of it, yeah, I think. Yeah, for sure. So uh, what did you guys think about, uh, were your theories on Stan Lee being a watcher busted? I don't care. Everything with Stan Lee was fucking horrible. I don't... He's a terrible actor. And he had like too many words that he said in a row and was like, just get on with was, this. Well, I thought the one during the movie wasn't bad. That's that's part of the cinematic universe thing. The watchers are going to come into play in this. Oh, stand, yeah, sure. This yeah. thing. And they're just teasing him that's it but this one this one felt a little lazy in that wasn't wasn't he saying like and this time i was a fed he was like guy. He, he was, was all he was, of him he was yeah well he was self-referencing he had all the other movies he's the been in tony's what i can't even yeah, remember well you you know what um what the theory is on stan lee in these movies right chris no i don't well is that he is a watcher one of the in the comics i think they look like those big dudes in the cloaks at the very yeah. mm-hmm. yeah, last yeah. scene and they peacefully watch but never interact with everything that's going on important in the universe so okay. they're keeping tabs on it and the theory for years has been well stan lee's a watcher that's why this same guy is in all of these movies they're always around watching which is 
Stanley is a watcher. And this was like a direct reference to the fans saying like, is he a watcher? Is he not a watcher? He's in a spacesuit with the watchers. Oh, He's working. That, that makes so much more sense as to why he was in Daredevil then. Was he in Daredevil? Yeah. Daredevil was like, terrible. Like like the, the original the one? Ben Affleck Daredevil. Oh, he's in yeah. that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm, he's in every Yeah, I think Marvel he's in all the Marvel movies. Yeah, I mean, it's, so. been, it's been 15 years since I've seen it probably. Yeah. But, I'm but he's pretty, not in any of the X-Men Marvel movies, right? No. No, but that was Fox yeah, I, and that was... I know. I'd, but, like, but he was in the Spider-Man movies, so... Yeah, he was in he was in the Spider-Man movies. He pulls a girl yeah. out of a wave of falling debris in one of them. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. So to wrap up, let's uh, let's do what we always do with these types of movies. Let's talk about favorite moments. Uh, Drew, what, what's your favorite moment in this movie? It was definitely the prison escape scene. That was the best part for me. Oh, where where, where Baby Groot kept bringing new stuff. Oh yes, yes. All of that was great. And then when they actually got out and got to kill everyone in like a great fashion with the arrow just flying around and blowing everybody up yeah. and rocket shooting people through a wall. And then they just, they get to escape. I don't know. I just, it I was, loved all of that. Well, and that, that was well composed, well choreographed. Yeah. Action. Yes. Like, and it, it had their friendship starting to mm-hmm. bud and then they get their, uh, reveal at the end with Yondu being like, we're the same person. Yeah. And it's like, this is great. This is so good. I love all the writing here. It's yeah. very rare for me to see characters, especially a CG character, yeah. expressing just pure joy on screen <laughs> like Rocket was just yeah. shooting his gun off and make it work. But it really did. Those characters are so good that it really worked. Yeah. What about you, Jake? Oh, I don't I don't even know if you need to ask that one. It's obviously the part where uh, Quill gets a Zoom <laughs> at the end. As a proud Zoom owner, it pulled at my heartstrings more than anything else in that movie. Do you still use that? Uh, no, but I have it, and I think it's time to sell it on eBay. Yeah, These now it's, are gonna be yeah, worth you say it's Peter Quill Zoom. <laughs> 300 songs. <laughs> that was great. That was such a yeah. good moment. Does it still work? My Zoom? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was, that was a refurb, right? It was like a, a little, refurb. like a little Zoom, Rudolph Zoom was or really solid. I liked it. But the, the best part about that is when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, Zoom, that's funny. And then I thought about it. And it's been like 10 years since I bought it. And I felt really old. <laughs> I was like, this kid next to me has no clue. <laughs> oh, no, God. he's never heard of a Zoom ever. <laughs> yeah, it still feels too recent to me. Like I could just go grab my Zoom and use it. I, I secretly always wanted a Zoom because when they first came out, the biggest Zoom was bigger than the biggest iPod. Wow. It was a really good piece of hardware. And the UI was good. I liked it. What, did it just fail because the iPod just had more sustainability? And- I mean, I, uh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I remember Jake always used it to play music. I never thought it was bad. I just disappeared. Yeah, I always <laughs> had it on, the, on a little dock playing yeah, nonstop yep. for like 10 years. It was but it crazy. Was, but it was just your awesome mix volume one. It got like, You could have you could have added more songs. <laughs> True. True. Yeah, yeah. A Zoom can hold more than three hundred songs for younger <laughs> listeners. I'll, I'll let you know that. Chris, what about you? What was your favorite moment? Uh, well, you guys kind of already brought it up. It's it's when Groot is trying to find the Finn. Um, <laughs> there is just there, and that, it goes back to like me just absolutely loving Groot and loving Drax in this movie. Like I I love the the literal nature of of him here and then in a in a later scene as well um that involves buttons and switches right uh, yeah. but but the it it's a very familiar sort of joke and so um it's one of those things that it's always it's always a risk to try to pull something like that off because it could just be like oh, i see where this is going but like like when he brings the entire desk <laughs> that that moment and then when he brings the guy's eye yes and rocket is like <laughs> <laughs> 
It's, no, no, it's leave relishing it. In, in the idea. <laughs> wake up is, and not know where it which is. Which is a brilliant, a brilliant callback to the first yes, one. Yes, yeah, uh, where he wanted uh, somebody's hand. Is that what it was? No, he, he wanted the guy's leg. Oh, that's right, yeah. Quill yeah. got it. And then later he was saying that he was going to need a guy's eye. And they're like, wait, really? I think and it's the like, same guy because it was one of Yondu's men. Oh, yeah, no. Oh. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. And so he uh, finally gets it. Yeah. Uh, but they're like, oh, wait, really? And he's like... <laughs> Yeah, totally need it. And everyone's like, no, 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 we don't need the eye. My, my favorite part of that scene was uh, Groot's bit on why he doesn't like hats. Because you think they're part of somebody's head and then they take them off and that's not what their head looks like. That's why you don't like hats? Which is so weird. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Uh, but that's, that is legitimately what James Gunn brings to, yes. to this sort of thing. Yep. Um, yeah, no, it was, it, everything about Groot was delightful. Spoilers are So, Chris, I know you like to recommend some high ABV beers from time to time. Uh, is today's recommendation going to be strong enough to get a uh, human planet buzzed? Um, well, yes and no. I don't think it's going to quite get a human planet buzzed. Uh, but it is, it is a high ABV beer, although by no means the highest I've ever recommended. Uh, my pairing this time with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is Space Cake Double IPA by Clown Shoes in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Uh, it's clocking in at 9% ABV and a whopping 90 IBU. So, uh, on, on the charts, a very bitter beer. And this is, um, I'm just going to read actually a little bit of what's on the side of the bottle, um, because, Clown shoes, uh, they generally have a pretty interesting, quippy little little thing to say about their beers. This one, it says, Why are Miracle Mike and his dog Bionic being chased by mini laser beams shooting from cupcakes and two giant layer cake motherships? Because we're straight lunatic fools? Well, maybe. But with a few brain cells remaining, we managed to craft Space Cake Double IPA, utilizing citrusy mosaic hops and an immaculate West Coast style malt backbone. Dude, chill out. Enjoy some space cake. Um, and that actually, uh, first of all, you need to see this label. Look it up. Just Magoogle uh, space cake uh, double IPA label. So is this a cake? No, it's not a cake. It has nothing to do with cake. Mm, I was I was excited when you said cake. <laughs> Sorry, it does. It, I don't drink, so cake sounded good. It does. It does not taste like cake at all. This is uh, this beer when you know it pours with a nice, nice thick white head and has a real piney aroma, which uh, my wife, when smelling it, said smells a lot like beer. So, uh, but but that is that is those mosaic hops. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of beers, they're, they're claiming, you know, this West Coast style malt backbone. Um, a lot of times when beers say they're, oh, they're well balanced or, or that sort of thing with an IPA, um, they're trying to dissuade people from being terrified of how bitter it is. I'll say this, especially coming in at 90 IBU, is a really, really well balanced beer. You, you get a lot of nice mix between, um, the bright citrusy hops and piney hops and, and this malt finish. Uh, very, very nice. I think this would pair very well with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. 
All right. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is currently playing at Cineplexes across the galaxy. If you've seen it, tell us your thoughts at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if email isn't your thing, we'd still love to hear from you. Ring the red phone and leave us a voicemail at 484-424-6362. That's 484-4CINEMA. Stick around. We'll be back after the break with my recap of Week 11 in the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League Spring Season. And my home video hero review of another freakishly frightful feature film. time for the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League Recap. Each week, Chris and I compete with you, the listeners, in a fantasy sports-style game to best spend a thousand imaginary bucks to fill a virtual eight-screen cineplex with real-world movies where the weekend box office determines the winner. If you aren't already playing along, it's never too late to join. Visit wsampod.com slash league to sign up and get all the details. Let's dive into our recap of week 11 of the spring season. <sighs> Are you ever too stupid to listen to your own advice? Because <sighs> last week I was researching for my weekly FML recap article and I had to Google King Arthur Legend of the Sword so I could do my duty by watching the trailer. <laughs> I didn't even really bother paying attention to the trailer because of the top stories on Google's. Here are the titles and I quote, From Forbes, review, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, likely biggest flop of 2017. Hollywood Reporter, Box office bomb alert, pricey King Arthur headed for week $25 million debut. Business Insider, King Arthur is going to be the first major box office bomb of the summer. So I smartly said that we should all agree not to play it and move on. Were, were you, were you, is that what you did, Chris? No, that's not what I did. Yeah, that's not what I did either. Friday morning happened and Arthur earned $1.15 million in Thursday preview numbers. And, you know, that changed everything, because if it could reach $21 million, we'd have a Best Performer winner, and some interesting lineups would open up. And if Beauty and the Beast could come close or even top Arthur for Best Performer, then you'd have a perfect Cineplex with Guardians, Arthur, a bunch of the Beast, and the filler of your choice. So I abandoned my plan, and I slapped Arthur in my lineup, where it flopped even harder than I expected and took home only about $15 million. Ouch. <laughs> and the best performer bonus went to Lowriders. Yes, Chris, that is a real movie, even though it showed in fewer than 300 theaters. You heard anything about that one? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, I, I looked and it was like 275 theaters. So I watched the trailer. I was like, eh, whatever, but it, it's not going to be competitive. Did did well enough to uh, to make yeah. the difference? Uh, well, it was, it was the best performer. Huh. So if you were one of the 37 geniuses this week who set the perfect Cineplex lineup, you'd be looking at... 
<sighs> Get ready. One screen of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, one screen of Snatch, one screen of Fate of the Furious, two screens of Beauty and the Beast, and three screens of Lowriders. That's a good old grab bag. Yeah, it's a grab bag, all right. I didn't want to touch Snatched. I thought it was going to do terrible. Yeah, didn't didn't look good. I, and I, I think I even said this to you, or maybe you and Phil. I imagine Snatch was going to be the due date of Amy Schumer's career. If you uh, don't remember due date, that's okay. It was directed by, his name is escaping me now, uh, Todd Phillips, who did the Hangover movies. And it starred Zach Galifianakis and Robert Downey Jr., who were both on an upward trend. And it it was it disappeared well and a lot like uh snatched i didn't and we'll never see either of those movies right so uh nobody in our, either of our leagues got the perfect cineplex but shout out to cineplex i'm not a regular mom i'm a cool mom hey that's my wife yeah and she got the uh win this week in the listener league for the second time in three weeks she's a winner yep and it's her third win of the season yep so she really is a cool mom i, I mean i guess so <laughs> she claims it uh so I, 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 you're going to have to ask her what she's playing this week, because I, I, I really don't know what way to go. Uh, the new releases are Alien Covenant at a ridiculous 655 bucks, Everything Everything, which I don't even think I've seen the trailer for, for 181 and Diary of a Wimpy Kid for 143 <sighs> Which, how many, is this, this is going to be the third Diary, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, right? Is this not the first one? No. I, Definitely not. You know I'm out of the loop on kids' movies. <laughs> Did they reboot Diary of a Wimpy Kid? Is this a gritty reboot? Uh, uh, is it? Is it just Spider-Man Underoos? Oh, no. Jake, you got the title of this movie all wrong. What is it? It's Di- Diary of a Wimpy Kid, colon, The Long Haul. <laughs> is it really? Yes. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, I really didn't even look for a subtitle because I thought it was the first one. You, you want to know what it's trending at right now in Rotten Tomatoes? What? 17%. It only has six reviews as of the time of recording. Oh, that's that's tough. Uh, do, you, do you know who is in that movie, though? I have no idea. Shades. Shades is the day. <laughs> is he going to make it really sad at the end? I, I assume. Isn't that his job? Just to yeah. like jazz music and make it sad at the end? Yep. Yeah. So what are you playing this week, Chris? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so, you know me. I like to uh, use all my bucks. Mm-hmm. And this week's a little tough. Yeah. I ended up doing it, but I'm not proud of it. Okay, what'd you get? So right now I've got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, two everything, everything. So everything, 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 everything. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, three gifteds. And The Circle, which is going to make no money. Oh, that's rough. I I figured out another one for you, and it literally took me 10 minutes of clicking around to get there. It's Guardians, Snatched, King Arthur, Three Beauty of the Beast, F8, and Lowriders. Oh, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that it's not a perfect Cineplex winner, but it's way better than what you got. It's it's better. It's way better than what I have. <laughs> uh, I, I don't I don't have a good plan for this week yet because you know the theater count on Lowriders is going to matter. So right now I'm at Alien, Everything, Everything, and six Lowriders, just banking on it getting some good momentum because the price didn't go up that much. So Jake, what is Everything, Everything? Oh. Is that yeah. the is that the weird space movie like kids space the one uh, where the one where he's like from Mars and she falls in love with him yeah I don't think and and she has a she has an illness I like I I'm just looking at the poster and it vaguely kind of looks like it could be that movie no Did I that think movie that, already I come think and that go? One came, wasn't that space bus space bus uh the 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 space between us the space between us yeah oh yeah that was space bus 
Okay, I don't I don't know what this is. Maybe this is a sequel to Space Bus. I, I hope so. I hope they <laughs> I hope they filmed them at the same time because they were so sure face Space Bus was going all the way. So here's here's what you got. Maddie, played by a, a, a Mandela Stenberg, is a smart, curious, and imaginative 18-year-old who is unable to leave the protection of her hermetically sealed environment within her house because of an illness. Ollie, played by Nick Robinson, is the boy next door, who won't let that stop them from being together. Gazing through windows and talking only through text, Maddie and Ollie form a deep bond that leads them to risk everything to be together, even if it means losing everything. Isn't that Space Bus? That's kind of Space Bus. That's basically Space Bus. And I just got that from looking at the poster. I think, I, if I remember, Jason Alexander shows up at the end and uh, and asked him some Trivial Pursuit questions, right? <laughs> is, is that how this movie ends? The Moops. Moops. <laughs> the Moops. <laughs> That's a typo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm still convinced that this is a sequel to Space Bus. They actually shot, they've got like eight more. They shot them all at the same time. They all got Space Bus tattoos. Is this um, the Blumhouse version of like, instead of horror, just like feel good teen movies for $5 million? <laughs> the, 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 yes. So not, not from Blumhouse, but someone's figured out how to make the, the, maybe that's, that's possible. Because I mean, okay. So the Blumhouse movies, a lot of them take place in one location. Yeah. You know, with only a couple actors, no, not a lot of extras. This has this has that written all over it. <laughs> Although Space Bus did take place in space. Oh, okay. Space Bus isn't, bus isn't, but this one is. This one, this one could be that. Legitimately, could be someone said, "Okay, what's the formula? What's the what's the target? And then what's the formula? Put those together. Everything, everything is what the uh, Neuronet wrote." It's it, it's a screenplay Ooh, that a you're going to have wrote. to include that in the sl- in the show notes because everything everything is even a title that uh, <laughs> that it, <laughs> a neural yeah. network would come in if you fed it teen movie names. <laughs> yeah, so guys, this is going to be a straight tangent, but uh, we discovered this neural network or this this lady that uh, feeds things into a neural network, and then she has a Tumblr that's just all of its results. So uh, it does everything from creating recipes, which it's actually kind of gotten good at and is no longer as funny as it used to be, um, to like naming Pokemon and metal bands and um, all sorts of <laughs> Doctor things. Who episodes. And, and it's there's, there's at least once a week when... Uh, we we send these links to each other and end up just like laughing like two tears um, in 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 our offices. So uh, I'll put this link in the show notes. You should check it out. You should definitely check it out when you're like in public or in a place where it is totally inappropriate to be laughing. Yeah, it. it uh, if I remember, some of the recipe names were like chocolate, chocolate meat circle, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there also a meatless meat circle oh yeah there was the meatless meat circle that's what it was there was chocolate chocolate something else like it loves chocolate and it loves circles <laughs> yeah but you know i don't think even the neural network would pick the circle to put it in its uh perfect cineplex this week yeah that's what i was gonna say what is what is their neural network uh perfect cineplex for this week it, it, it's just gonna play all of everything everything no it, it's just all smurfs it thinks saving money in the bank is really good <laughs> It learns the wrong thing. <laughs> All right. If you still need more FML in your life, catch my weekly recaps and predictions each week on the War Starts at Midnight blog. And if you've got a hot take for the next Perfect Cineplex, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at WSAM Pod. And look out. Drew's newest home video hero review is right around the corner.
every so often on War Starts at Midnight, we find movies that look so absolutely awful that we have to know more about them. But Chris and I don't always have time to watch the bargain bin refuse to decide if these films are more Jurassic Park or Jurassic Shark. And yes, that is a real movie. Uh, that's why we bring in GeekMelee.com's Drew Allen for a segment we call Home Video Hero. Drew has the unenvious task of deep diving into the worst releases of all time to decide if a movie is so bad it's good or so bad it's just really bad. Join us in the Fortress of Crapitude's Judgment Room as Drew takes on Monster Trucks, the 2016 tweener flick produced by Nickelodeon Movies. I saw the cover, I saw the trailer, and I saw it only recouped 26% of its $125 million budget. However, I did not see this movie. So Drew, should we take Monster Trucks home from the salvage yard? Or should it be squished into a little metal cube and sold for scrap? Um, I, it, it's certainly not... It's certainly not good. So I, I can I can give you some more details on that if you're really wanting it. Oh, we really want it. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> Monster Trucks is a somehow 104 minute movie that doesn't really do anything with its ridiculous premise of monsters inside the hood of trucks for nearly the entire runtime. <laughs> the film opens with Rob Lowe and Thomas Lennon. What? Yeah, being evil <laughs> really? oilmen who are drilling and want money, and that's the whole, that's it, that's all they do. They drill into the habitat of a weird creature thing, which is, I suppose, the monster part of this film, and three of them just come flying out of the ground and blow everything up. <laughs> to the film's credit, at under five minutes, we've seen some of the monsters and an explosion has happened, so at least there's that. Rob Lowe wants the oil, so he plans to find the monsters before word gets out. He gets two of them, and the third one escapes. Mm. Here we're introduced to Lucas Till, who has a lot of credits to his name, but other than playing Alex Summers in two X-Men movies, and the title character from the reboot MacGyver TV series that is, for reasons beyond me, getting a second season, he isn't really well known. I didn't know there was a first season. Um, yeah, that happened, so <sighs> I don't know so, why. So th this guy, <clears throat> he plays MacGyver... He also plays like a 16-year-old, is that right? Yes. He I, he, I think he's supposed to be, at best, 18. I think he's a senior. You don't really find that out. Great. Uh, is, is he a real-life Benjamin Button? <laughs> yes. Good, uh, good. He's, he's I guess, a, a high school kid who can't drive. It's not really made clear. I mean, he rides a bus <laughs> at the beginning, but all the bus has children on it. I don't know. I don't really know what's happening. Uh, his mom, played by Academy Award nominee Amy Ryan, appears moments after he is introduced in a scene that lasts about 56 seconds. Wait, Amy Ryan? Rob Lowe is in this movie. Yes. Amy Ryan is in this movie. Yes. To a lesser extent of astonishment, Tom, Thomas Lennon is yes. in this movie. Yep. What? There's, okay, I'd be more surprised if Thomas Lennon wasn't in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I said lesser astonishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he makes more sense, but those first two do not. She establishes she is divorced and now dating a cop played by Barry Pepper, who I guess took this role because he needed money. I, that's it. That's all she does. That's her only scene. She's but, in this movie for one minute. In a movie that has literally monster trucks in the title and the trailer and the poster why bother putting a good actor in it i don't know well why i mean Who's especially this is, is that putting in the seats no this, one's this not is, amy ryan is not meant no kid knows who amy ryan is well exactly that's or or barry pepper or uh rob, or rob Lowe, Lowe. or, yeah. like, or tom slinden i don't no, know why they got them and that's not this, like breaking the tie between this and the disney movie like a parent's like well rob Lowe is in this so why don't we go yeah. see it? <laughs> i guess we can go see it like no one's saying that 
<laughs> I mean, the movie then mostly meanders around and is really boring for an hour and 20 minutes. Trip works at a junkyard and Danny Glover is there in a wheelchair. He does nothing important and is in two scenes. I'm pretty sure he requested the wheelchair so we wouldn't have to stand for this shit. <laughs> uh, the monster is found by Trip, which is the character's name for Lucas Till, and they are instant friends because who gives a fuck? Uh, there's a girl from Trip's school played by some actress named Jane Levy, and she doesn't do anything. The bulk of this time is spent on montages, building a car for the creature who Trip names Creech for real. <laughs> Uh, they drive it around. Sometimes they run away from people who are looking to catch the monster. Sometimes they go to a gas station to fill up gas because I think apparently Creech survives on oil. Huh. It's not really made that clear. I guess that sort of makes sense if he comes from underground, yeah. although like refined oil. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Is this Whatever. a really intense metaphor for uh, peak oil? Just yeah. fracking and petroleum engine, <laughs> like petroleum shortages. And- yeah, I mean, pretty much. I, I don't. I don't get it. Tripp's dad is in there for five seconds, and he's an asshole, and no one's surprised. Played by Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, that would be great. <laughs> A resurrected Paul Newman as Tripp's dad. <laughs> uh, the line quote "Get out of our way, pigeons!" is yelled at some point. Quote "I have an app." is actually said as a means to track another person's cell phone with no other explanation at all. Uh, the soda Big Red gets two moments in this film, both drank by Trip, and there is a Wilhelm scream. Because of course there is. Uh, near the merciful end, while trying to bring all three monsters back to their home at the drill site, the people chasing Trip and his crew try to actually murder high school kids by driving them off cliffs. Later, the lead henchman accidentally drives into a giant vat of poison that I think was meant for the monsters and is, from what we can see briefly, burned alive inside of his car as he struggles to escape. That's the last time we see him. He yells into the void and then it just cuts away from him. And it's like, I think that guy is dead. This is for kids. Uh, it's baffling out of it's bafflingly out of place and it's really, really dark. Uh, the monsters escape back into the wild and no one notices, I suppose. Uh, although Trip says he knows where to find them, implying he'll be visiting, the ending is just him and his presumed new girlfriend just kind of driving through the fields in a regular truck. Amy Ryan and Barry Pepper show up and kind of wave at the camera in slow-mo. That's the end. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's real bad. So, wait, so does the, the from the trailer, it looked like the monster is what makes the truck drive? Yeah, like the monsters- yeah, the monster like crawls into the hood of the truck. Which doesn't have an engine because uh, who cares? He works at a junkyard, junkyard or whatever. Yeah. And I just, he just sort of puts his tentacles around the car and it's like, now it moves. They don't, there's no explanation. It just so I was thinking that. this was going to be more like Transformers, but it kind of sounds like a bad Captain Planet episode. It's just, yeah, it's just boring. It just, nothing happens. They just get, he gets a monster in a truck and drives it around. And like, that's it. And the, the bad people just want to get it because they want oil. And if people is there, find out is there a little bit of humor? Is there a laugh in there somewhere? Uh, I think I laughed one time at Thomas Lennon doing okay. what I yeah. assumed was an ad lib. <laughs> he, he like crawls in through the window of a car. It's like a big monster truck thing that he's driving with the kids at the end because he's helping them because he's an envi- environmentalist. He's like, I want to help the animals, whatever. Uh, and then he crawls through the window and then opens the door from the inside 
and Lucas Till is talking and he just sort of overlaps him and goes like, oh, this door opens. And then just closes it again. I was like, oh, ha, that was funny. That was the only funny part of the whole movie. And I'm pretty sure he made it up. It wasn't an ad lib. The prop guy failed. The door wasn't supposed to open and they just left it in. It was great. That's it, though. Nothing else was funny. What I want to know is, like, who has dirt on all of these people? Yeah. To get to them. get them to be in this movie because the budget is 125 million dollars yeah. and it made I think 60 something. It just I, I, I thought I saw it made like 35. But that might have just been theatrical or just domestic or something. But to be fair, like a hundred million of that went to exploration to find the monsters so they could film this movie. Right. Yes, because all the monsters are real. Yeah. They're actual. I, <laughs> new, I just feel like the pitch for this movie was two words long. It was just monster trucks. That's it. That's I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know how this happened. I don't know who it's for. Why is this not an animated movie? That would make a lot more sense and it would have cost probably maybe, a lot less. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe all of these people, they read the script and they were like, clearly this is going to be an animated movie. <laughs> sure, yeah. I can be the I'll voice, voice of the somebody. Mom. Yeah. yeah, I can be a voice. That's like half a day. Sure. I'll nope. come in. Oh, wait, what do you mean? Oh. What do you mean? Screen test. <laughs> I don't want to. Okay, I don't want to be in this. No, hold on, wait. <laughs> that's that's when missed, Danny Glover. They demands. missed one word in the pitch, and it was animated, and it still got approved. Yep. They're like, oh shoot, we gotta. Oh no. I just I don't understand who it's for because it's not. There's not like fart jokes for kids. Like the monster goes like, and everyone goes ha ha. ha. Like none of that happened. No, that's in Transformers. <laughs> that's when so, he peed on somebody and said, "My bad." Yeah, I hate this movie. It's so thirteen-year-old so Drew could pull himself away from Bubsy, would he have enjoyed this? <laughs> I, I feel like if I was like between 10 and 13 or younger than 10, I would have been like, yeah, it's fine. And I would have yeah. not remembered it. And it would have been like, yeah, I remember seeing that as a kid. Yeah, it was whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but as an adult, it's just like, dude, this is bad. It's just oh, poorly man. made. I, I love that. There's probably a child somewhere who has seen this movie. And then like in a few years, in middle school, they're going to have to read The Outsiders and they're going to watch The Outsiders and they're going to think that Rob Lowe fell from <laughs> The Outsiders to only doing monster, monster trucks. Monster trucks only. No, yeah. wrong. They're going to think Rob Lowe has come such a long way. He was in these sh- crappy old person movies and now he's in monster now trucks. My favorite monster trucks movie. Yeah. I think there's three scenes in this movie with trucks driving through open fields <laughs> like montages or uh, like- yeah just like driving around and people going woo and just driving through the that's it it's just dropped to the grass <laughs> that's so that's there's no point to the scene at all and i i think there's four of them three of them don't have the monsters in the truck they're regular trucks. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole like i mean is the whole premise just basically like these big bad guys are trying to kill the monsters and yeah. they don't so it's it's sort of like Herbie goes bananas meets the Iron Giant. Uh, yes. I mean, it's just bad guys that are drilling for oil. Then they find non-real creature things and go, well, we can't tell anyone because then we can't have money. Hmm. So uh, we ought to capture them all. And then the one that escapes happens to find the most uncharismatic person in the whole movie, which is Lucas Till. Yeah, but <laughs> see, boring. this may not be great, but you have to watch it so you know what's going on in the Nickelodeon cinematic universe. Ugh. You know, it's, this feels like they could have or they wanted to merchandise the shit out of it. Yeah. Because huh. monster truck toys, yeah. that the hoods could lift and you could see the monsters and uh-huh. they could like pop out or whatever. I'm sure they would love to have done that. But it made no money and no one cared. 
I'm sure uh, that was their goal. They should have made it a cartoon. Yeah, if they had made yeah. it animated, I think it would have done better. Yeah. So you're saying you can't buy a monster truck amiibo? No. And thankfully, I wouldn't even do that. Yeah, God, you know what? True, There's a part of me would. that would probably go, I gotta have them all. I gotta have a monster <laughs> truck amiibo. And then I hate myself. And you sit it next to your Max Steel amiibo and just <laughs> frown at your life. Uh, that's what would happen. Yeah, I already do that. <laughs> okay, Drew. So um, we we kind of get your, your, your take on this, but final verdict. Uh, Should we all be... Watch. Should we all be paying money to rent and and or purchase no, this movie? It's not even worth a red box rent. It's just it's not good. Would you? Two a.m. Just got home from the bar. It's on HBO. Watch this movie. Maybe <laughs> if you were, if you were drunk, it might be okay because you could laugh at just. How dumb at it one is. Thomas Lennon, right? And you could line. laugh every time a new actor appeared. You're like, why are you in this? If you had never seen it, yeah. If you go in blind and you have no idea who's going to be in it, and every time Danny Glover appears and Barry Pepper, you're like, why? Then I, it might be worth it. Drink when you I recognize am. a face. <laughs> <laughs> and you're sad for them. Well, Drew, you are a real hero and a real human. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching Monster <laughs> Trucks. So we don't have to. It's my pleasure. Monster Trucks is currently available to rent or stream everywhere, but please don't. If for some reason you have seen it and have something you really want to say about it, you can email us at midnight.com and tell us about it. And stick around, folks, because we will be right back with really rad recommendations coming up next. Folks, it is really rad recommendation time once again. Drew, since you are our guest in the War Bunker today, uh, we'll let you go first. What do you have to recommend? Um, if you saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and you like Kurt Russell, I would highly recommend seeing Bone Tomahawk. It uh, came out in 2015. I remember seeing a poster for it and being like, cool, I should see that. And then it didn't get a very wide release. And then I found it at Redbox a couple months ago. Um, don't watch a trailer. Okay. Don't really even read anything about it. It is best to go into this movie blind. It is fantastic. It is like a Western with a twist. Okay. All right. And you said if you if you like Kurt Russell. Uh, he's the lead. Yeah. Along with Patrick Wilson, um, Richard Jenkins, and Matthew Fox. Ooh. And if you don't like Kurt Russell, just stop listening to the podcast. Yeah. That's I mean, probably you, there's something call. wrong yeah. with you. 
and he'll see a doctor <laughs> at least at least from the poster he looks very much like his character in as far as like facial hair and everything yes. like his character in he, uh, hateful very, eight very grizzled looking yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. it's it's fantastic i don't want to i i can't even give you any i don't want to ruin any part of it for you it's just you should definitely see it if you are squeamish be aware where where can one watch this uh believe it as um on amazon prime to stream and also you can find it at redbox Okay, cool. Jake, what do you have to recommend? Uh, well, uh, I, I took the uh, ragtag bunch of misfits uh, feel from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy that I liked so much and tried to find a movie that also fit that. And uh, so if you like ragtag bunch of misfits and you like sports movies and you like kung fu and you can't guess it already, then you need to go out and watch Shaolin Soccer. It's Stephen Chow's 2001, which came out over here in 2004, uh, sports film about some really gifted soccer players who, uh, Drew, Drew, have you seen this movie? Oh, yeah. I own it. You do? It's, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to give too much about this one, give too much about away about this one either, because I saw it way back then. Yeah. And, uh... And it blew me away because, especially back in 2004, this is when I was still in high school, I hadn't read a lot about, uh, you know, international movies or anything. And it was just one of those, you have to see this. And you pop it in and you're just like, what is going on? Yeah, I feel like you have to see this is pretty much what you should say. And then not, it, it's, it's, it makes soccer entertaining, which for me is hard to do. Hey, Jake. <sighs> yeah. I've never seen this movie. You've you, never seen this movie? No. You want to know why I've never seen this movie? Why? Because when I worked at Best Buy in high school, there was a really annoying guy who was like, you got to see Shell and Soccer. It's amazing. And I was like, well, I'm not going to see that movie. And then <laughs> and then I met this guy freshman year at college. He was like, you got to see Shell and Soccer. It's amazing. And I was like, hmm, but that other guy told me I should see it. I can't watch it. <laughs> you, you, were, you were the second guy in that, that story. <laughs> he sounds awesome. Um, did, did you see Kung Fu Hustle? I haven't seen Kung Fu Hustle. Oh. That's and, and for the exact that the guy was like, oh, you got to see Shell and Soccer. Oh, you also got to see Kung Fu Hustle. They're the best movies that have ever been made. Kung Fu God. Hustle might be better than Shaolin Soccer, but I, I think, think Shaolin Soccer is a better yeah. recommendation for this. I'm going to bring both of those over to you because I have both of them because, of course, I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you need to watch them. They're great. Okay, great. All right. Uh, you can, but if Drew doesn't bring them to your house, you can find them, find this movie on Google Play, Amazon, or YouTube to rent. Okay. Or your local public library might have them. <laughs> true, true. Yep. Uh, so, Chris, what do you what do you have to recommend? I've got another movie that's about a ragtag group of outsiders that come together, um, and you know it's also got some paternal issues and a killer soundtrack, a much better soundtrack in my opinion than uh, than Volume Two. I mean, I'm I'm ragging on it maybe a little too much. It's not that bad. It was just a disappointment, I guess. Um, but uh, my recommendation is The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, um, which, you know, I, f I always feel bad when I'm recommending a, uh, a Wes Anderson movie because I feel like I talk about him all the time. <laughs> I think this is maybe only the second time I've done so, though. Uh, Life Aquatic, for those who haven't seen it, um, to give you a plot is sort of pointless in a lot of ways. I guess I guess if I was to try to boil it down to what it's about is it, it is this uh, Jacques Cousteau type character. Um, they actually, they, they had to be very explicit about not saying that it was supposed to be Jacques Cousteau because, uh, for, for legal issues, I think even in the commentary, when they mentioned him, they bleep it out. 
Um, wow. I think, I think that's correct. Um, but, uh, Jacques Cousteau type of character played by, uh, Bill Murray and then his band of outsiders who have come together to like help him, you know, explore and make these, uh, underwater documentaries, which may or may not be, uh, heavily, heavily, uh, kind of doctored and faked, um, <laughs> But it's it's got an incredible cast. It's Bill Murray, Willem Dafoe, Angelica Houston. Uh, Kate Blanchett is in this. She's fantastic in this. Uh, Owen Wilson, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Noah Taylor is fantastic. Bud Court, who from previously mentioned uh, Harold and Maude, is, is in this as the Bank Stooge. Maybe my favorite character. Um, a ton of a ton of people uh, in in uh, Sue George. Sue George uh, singing a, a bunch of Bowie songs in Portuguese, which may be the only thing that you know about this. If you know anything about this movie, um, it's currently uh, available to stream on Netflix right now. So if you haven't seen it, I recommend watching it. There, it's a uh, I I mean. This is actually probably the first movie that I can recall as like a semi-formed person with opinions seeing in a theater and being disappointed by. Um, it has over the years climbed up. It's probably my third or fourth favorite Wes Anderson movie now. Like it's just and, and part of it's that like saying that there's not really a plot to it or not really like you, you just sort of go where it goes. And, um, it's, it's quite a fun time, quite a good, quite a good story of sort of, uh, camaraderie and these characters banding together because they're, they're the only people each other has. Yeah, but I will take issue with you calling them a, a band of outsiders because they're a pack of strays. Don't you get it? <laughs> they are a pack of strays. They're a pack of strays. That, that is, that is exactly correct. Uh, so yeah, check it out on Netflix or you can, uh, rent it elsewhere. Um, or there's a beautiful, beautiful Criterion Blu-ray out. So. Uh, ch- you can check it out there too. All right. Well, Drew, thank you for, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Even though I'm 600 miles away, it was nice to see you. I hear you. <laughs> thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. And Drew, if people want to follow you on the interwebs, uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, I, you can follow me on Twitter at Drew J. Allen. Uh, and I've also got, uh, there's a geek melee Twitter you can follow and narrative imperative, which is our, uh, film division that we do short skits and, uh, short films with. And, and of course, uh, geekmelee.com yes. as well. And I didn't realize it was pronounced Drew J. Allen. I've, I've always thought it was Drew, Drew J. Allen. Drew J. Allen. Allen. You can call it that. And that's okay. what a lot of people Drew do. Jallen. So. Drew Jallen. <laughs> him at Drew Jallen. Hashtag Drew Jallen. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. You can find us online at warstartsmidnight.com for show notes, fantasy movie league recaps, and more. Or say hello on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WSAMPod. If you enjoy the show, rate and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download it to put it on your Zoom. It'll help us grow the Midnight Warrior clan, and it'll make you feel awesome. On the other hand, if you're the trolling type who simply hate listening through these credits, go ahead and tell us everything we got wrong at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if you're a narcissist, you can leave us a voicemail and see if we play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at 484 424 6362. The War Starts at Midnight theme song was produced by Justin Streck. The Spoiler Alert theme song is by The Taylor Machine. Hey, Drew's in that band. Check them out at facebook.com slash The Taylor Machine. And shout out to Dragon in 3 for the music on this week's show. Pay what you want for their EP Ghoul School at dragonin3.bandcamp.com. Ridley Scott's Alien Covenant is out wide this weekend, but we won't be reviewing it on the next episode because Jake has never seen a single alien movie. Uh, I mean, I've seen movies with aliens in them. <laughs> like Familian? Oh, God. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so join us in another fortnight for a very special war crime slash civil war crossover episode in which Jake watches Ridley Scott's Alien and James Cameron's Aliens, and then we pit them against each other to determine which is the essentialist film in the Alien franchise. Thanks for listening, folks. I'm going to make some weird shit. I'm Groot. <laughs> <laughs>